Hey everyone, welcome back. I know it's been probably six months, seven months. Maybe you're new to this podcast and you didn't even know this happened, but it's been a little bit of a hiatus. I feel like it happens uh, every summer, but more so 2020 was definitely a kick in the nuts. We don't need to reiterate it, but you're probably sitting there thinking, well, uh, Casey, what the hell you been up to? And, uh, you know, just been working, you know, through a pandemic, casual. But uh, no, all is good here, Um, and I've kind of set some new goals, reconfigured what I want from the podcast, what I want from CoachKCZ.com, and have really been working on the best way to be actionable for 2021, and with a podcast, that's going to come in the form of twice a month. So what it's going to look like, CoachKCZ.com, still a thing, very much alive and well, Um, the real Coach Casey, your boy, me. Also, very much alive and well, family's good, all that good stuff. But what the the goal is for 2021 is we're going to be looking to do two podcasts a month. We're going to offset that on the weeks when there's no podcast. We're going to have some written stuff, um, three things format, which is my jam. Um, So it's going to alternate probably like the second and fourth week of the month will be three things podcast. The first and the third week will be three things written. And then every week from me, I've started this new thing, another creative outlet. I'll probably get to that more in a podcast episode, but I've started this thing called Purposeful Strength, which Purposeful Strength is a newsletter. It drops every Tuesday at 11 a.m., um, shout out to the second one that just went out the other day and it's been a ton of fun. I've always enjoyed writing. Um, I write how I talk, which probably isn't very good, but, uh, I think what is really interesting is, is seeing it drawn out, seeing it written out for me, similar to a podcast form where you get to talk it out, hatch it out. The writing concepts are really fun for me because it helps me get thought ideas out onto paper and just work through them in a different way that this podcast doesn't necessarily have to offer. So um, Purposeful Strength drops every Tuesday. If you guys head over to CoachCaseyLee.com, you'll be able to sign up for that. It's free. It'll always be free. Um, I don't really foresee myself ever making any of these products paid. They're just really fun for me and selfishly, it's a great way for me to explore different avenues of myself, have great conversations with individuals and and reflect on different things as a professional and obviously as a father because those are two very important things to me. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what's up. That's the two-minute recap. But more importantly, this week's guest is Nicole Adak, round two. I've actually, this conversation is from last summer, um, but we kind of talk more in depth, Nicole and I, on the mental skill side of, of sports, performance, life in general. And Nicole is incredibly passionate about this, and she's phenomenal. This conversation is pretty long. Um, break it up if you need to. But Nicole is a true professional. She's fantastic at what she does. And I'm excited to share round two with you. If you haven't heard round one, you should go check that out. But round two, Nicole Adak and I coming on the other side of this intro song. Hope you guys enjoy it. We're back for round two because you so graciously said you'd do round two. So here we are. What do you have to yeah. say for yourself? 
I have to say I'm excited. That's I love talking about this stuff. I just like love nerding out on things that I love with people who also appreciate it. And I will say this because uh, Joe Gambino, recurring guest in the Three Things podcast, buddy of mine is a physical therapist down in Astoria, Queens, New York City. Oh, New York. Yeah. Um, he asked me a great question once. He said, "What's your like? Who's your favorite guest?" And I didn't really say I had like a favorite guest. Um, but he was like waiting for you to say him. <laughs> I, it, he was a good one, but my favorite guests are people that have a passion for what they do. Um, whether it's been, um, like Bridget Brady, uh, former women's lacrosse coach at St. Michael's, um, oh, yeah. now Bridget Sawyer. She is incredibly passionate about coaching lacrosse. Eric Mitchell, who has a podcast, uh, round three podcast coming out soon. Um, incredibly passionate about like coaching and speaking, obviously Nicole Adak, uh, now round two, but incredibly passionate about what they do because I, I feel like when someone really like gives a shit, like when someone really cares, when you have these conversations, because it's a candid format podcast, when they have these conversations, they're, they're into it. And they're not just like doing it because they want to, or it's the right thing to do or whatever. Like I should have this charisma because it's what I do and I should be excited. They actually, like, you can just tell when someone gives a shit and those are my favorite conversations. Oh, well, I give a shit. So here we go. Yes. And that's not even that good of a swear word, but we're going to get one out of it. Um, so <laughs> I give a poo. before we get through the introductions, we're going to go just a brief recap as to what the three things are. Hopefully people have been listening, but um, you had a, a very impressive showing on the first 24 hours of your first round one podcast, but three things podcast, we've got three random questions Nicole does not know about. My guess is we'll probably just have a conversation and three things will come out of that conversation. Uh, and then we have the speed round, which you've never done before. So I'm super excited for the speed round. Um, Nicole Adak, let's start here. Give us a brief background, who you are, what you do, where you do it, why you do it, all that jazz. Okay. I'll do it a lot quicker than last time. So, Nicole Adak, name. Um, I'm a mental skills coach. I am also in the state of Vermont a psychotherapist, and which pretty much means that I can practice therapy, and I'm on my way to becoming a licensed psychologist. You need like all these hours and credits and whatever. So, mental skills coach is my title. Um, I work with athletes and really all people to help them. I always say like I help them understand who they are so that they can be the best versions of themselves so with athletes a lot of times that is centered around mental performance or just athletic performance in general how to be their best self on the field on the court on the ice you know whether that's the most confident most focused most driven motivated you name it um, and then I help people build the mental skills to help them become the best version of themselves so self, you know self-talk visualization pre-performance routines remaining calm, being able to respond to situations instead of reacting with your emotions, being able to have perspective and see things optimistically instead of pessimistically. All these things take skill and practice. Um, so those are the mental skills that I teach so that people can be their best selves. I really like that description. Very, very, uh, I'll say specific. Okay. So are you up for your first official? I mean, you've been on the three things podcast before, but you kind of like didn't really know you're on the three. Things. Are you ready for your first official question of the three things? Yes. But I will say even thinking on last time's conversation, I, I wouldn't be able to say what the three, the three things were. Yeah. I think I just, cause it's so then, I know, I this is where routine. our conversations typically go is like, 
like we just start talking about something and then it just like spins and snowballs into this like beautiful like conversation of like all sorts of stuff. So I'm probably going to ask you like one thing and then like, I know you, I, I remember the last time you're like, I specifically want to talk about this and I'll ask you that's the second thing and then we'll create the third thing. Cool. I'll do okay. whatever you tell me to do. So here's my, <laughs> I mean, you had the jar of lemon water. You should replace that. When you, when, if, if you drink, what do you normally drink? You know, it's not one of the big, three things. Okay. I used to be a big gin and tonic girl, but I stopped oh. doing that because it gave me headaches. So now if I'm going out, like if I'm out in public, it'll probably be like a vodka soda, really basic. Um, but I really like margaritas. That's my new thing. Interesting. I think. Interesting. Okay. Uh, um, that's just good to know. I just didn't know that about you. Uh, here's the first thing that was not one of the things. It was a bonus. It was like, that was more of like a degenerate speed round type question, by the way. It's just a good so to know, know what you get to. Yeah. That's kind of like what you can expect later on when we get to the speed round. Um, I think the best part about speed round is there's no wrong answer. So oh, that, that keeps me sane. It's honestly, I would... I should just give up on the three things and just call the podcast the speed round and just go from there because that's all I want to do is just fuck around with people on a podcast. Well, here you get the best of both worlds. So. I know, right? It's like, okay, we'll do three somewhat intellectual conversation pieces and then we're just going to fuck around in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. First thing, fill in the blank. Mental health is not blank. And let me give me some context there. I think, and, and I think we kind of talked about this a little bit in, the, in the, the first conversation we had. Like mental health, I think, has been on the front burner of most organizations, people, more so than ever, which is really yeah. good. In your opinion, as a professional who works in this field, what can mental health be misconstrued towards? Does that better make up the question? Yes. Yes. So the first, like my natural instinct of an answer for this mental health is not blank. My Mm -hmm. first answer is an option. Ooh, okay. Mental health is not an option. So we all have some degree of health, right? Physical and mental. So I think when people hear mental health, they think of like weakness. So it's also not a weakness, right? But mental health is what we all have. We all have some degree. It's a continuum. We all are somewhere on the continuum of, of where our mental health lies. So mental health is not an option. We can't like choose our mental health. Well, we can do things to help our mental health, if that makes sense. But we can't choose to not worry about it. We can't choose to put it aside. We can't choose to ignore it because it's, it's there. It's something we're living with, our mental health, whether it's really good mental health or if it's something that we need to work through with a professional. But mental health isn't an option. So that's kind of why my mind went there first. That was just like my, like, you know, the light bulb thing. Like not, not yeah, like a no, but that's, light bulb, but that's it, like, where I want like, you to take it. Yeah. And then the second part of that is like mental health is not a weakness. It's not weak to notice that you have something you need to work through. We all have to work through things all the time, whether it's not being able to focus or if it's like clinical depression and anxiety, they're all things that we need to work on. So we're all, you know, we're all evolving all the time and mental health is a big component of that. So we need to be aware of ourselves and of who we are and of what we need so that we can, again, be our best selves. So I don't know if that answers it enough or if I'm being kind of vague. No, it totally does. And what I would tell people too is obviously listen to this podcast episode, but then go back, I believe it's episode like 60, 
five was your first time here, but definitely listen to Nicole talk through that episode because I think we ask probably more specific questions and we kind of dive into specific scenarios with whether it be athletes or just, just people in general. Um, but that's a good podcast to listen to as well. Like I said, pretty impressive numbers through, especially like the first 24 hours of, of it being out. But um, definitely check that episode 65 out. I think this might be like episode 70, 76, 77 by the time it gets out. So uh, I, I have a nice little bank going on here. I'd like to thank COVID-19 for the bank of, of podcast episodes. But um, so the second thing, I know that was like kind of a quick first one, but the second thing, and, and you specifically brought this up after the first podcast episode we did, Nicole, um, kind of like making lemonade out of lemons, like how to turn like a pretty shitty situation into opportunity. Um, Cause I think like 30 days ago we had like our first podcast and it was like right at the first time in Vermont where we are, like where everything was starting to get shut down. It was just like one thing after another, canceled, delayed, canceled, delayed, closed, closed, closed. And people really didn't have an idea of like where to go. Um, like the world was ending. Um, whether it be like athletes, humans, people like businesses were closing down. They had to pivot everything um, to a different mode that they were used to delivering their service in or product or whatever it might be. And that's probably the most extent we'll ever talk about coronavirus on this podcast. But just in general, like when an athlete or a person is faced with adversity, like how do you go about or how would you coach someone into addressing that adversity and making it into, if you can, an opportunity? Okay. So that's, that's a long question. Well, super the way that long answer, question. Just took a long, long way to get to the end of that. No. And my answer is long too, because there's steps here that I kind of, I got time. I've actually just finished my beer, which is probably a good thing. So I got, oh God, it's either time. gonna hit you fast or I got nothing but time. Okay, perfect. So the way that I kind of think about this, the, like the first thing I'll say is that our minds, our brains need to be trained like any other muscle. So you don't just put someone at an, to do an Olympic lift the first time you meet with them in a session. You don't just say, handle it. You can do it. You have to work on your, like, you know, your functional movement and your mobility and your basic strength and activation. You need to do power explosives. Like you need to do all this stuff to prepare. Just like I saw actually that you posted like how you structure a session. I don't know how many weeks ago it was, but you, mm -hmm. you kind of laid out the, the four parts of a work. I think it was four yeah. parts. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of think about that with, clients that I see as well in a way and I'm trying to think of how to answer this in a succinct way but ultimately I feel like everything that like we do as professionals you know and me specifically as mental skills coach I have to kind of assess my client because we all face obstacles like it's not a question of whether or not you're going to face an obstacle because we're all going to face some sort of setback I mean coronavirus is a perfect example that shit happens out of our control all the time all the time Things are always happening around us to us. Things that we have no, we have nothing we can do about. That doesn't mean that we're just, we can become victims. We just sit and like, you know, oh, woe is me. But we need to be aware and alert that these obstacles are going to come at us. And we have to know how we respond or how we typically tend to react. So when a client comes to see, and I kind of already forgot what you asked me, but when a client um, like comes to see me and they're faced with a, a, a difficult situation, I talk a lot about training the brain, just like you train the body. This is where I was going. So you need to be able to be aware of what you need, right? You can't just like guess. You need to know what you need. So if you're going to go do a deadlift, you need to know that you need to, you know, 
engage the back of the body. You need to know how to hip hinge. You need to know how to do all these things. Just like with mental health and mental skill development, you need to know what you need in order to survive any sort of threat. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Okay. So as far as like training your brain, it it's like starts with like little baby pieces. The first thing is just knowing who you are, knowing who the heck you are on this planet, what you do, and then ultimately who you want to be. Who do you wish you were? Who's your best, like what's your best version of yourself? And so that's like the ultimate success for you is being that best version of yourself all the time. Someone who has mastered, and I hate that word, it's so specific, but someone who's mastered their mental skill set is someone who can be their best despite the obstacles, despite the adversity, right? It's not like the adversity becomes an excuse for why you couldn't handle something. It's like the obstacle becomes something else that you overcome in pursuit of becoming your best self. So you need to train your brain to see the world in a very solution focused way of thinking as opposed to problem focused way of thinking. So most people who, you know, this coronavirus thing happens, and I know we said we're not gonna talk about this, but any sort of obstacle happens, the first thing we think is, oh my God, a threat. So we stare at the problem that is out of our control. It's already happening. And we're just staring at all the limitations that it gives us. So instead of doing that, it takes intentional and deliberate effort to take your attention and move it instead to a solution instead of a problem. It's natural for us to look for problems because we're human beings. We've been evolved this way where we want to protect ourselves. So we have to be alert for different stressors and threats and difficult situations. That's just how we function. Then our stress response happens and that's how we can keep ourselves safe. But the, men the mentally strong people are the ones who can recognize when there's a stressor or an obstacle or a difficult situation and ask the question, okay, what now? okay, how can I find a solution to this problem? Or instead of seeing an obstacle, how can I see an opportunity? And this is where it's mental work because it's not easy. <laughs> if I ask a client who's typically pessimistic to tell me what a, like, what a good thing about this coronavirus is, they'd be like, I don't know. And they would leave it at that. So it takes training your mind to be like, hmm, well, I'm home all day with my family and I hate that. I'm like, okay, that's not a solution. Like, keep thinking. And then we keep doing the mental work. Well, you know what? Now that I'm home, I can really work on like a sleep schedule or I can really get into a routine and be consistent. So I'm really practicing my consistency. And if you can handle something like a, a stay at home order, right? And still be the best version of yourself in that, then when you're on the court next year, the, the field and a referee makes a bad call. It's like, okay, <laughs> like I thought that, this was hard last year. Now that I've been through staying home all week and not having a court to shoot at a referee makes a bad call. I'm going to be okay. You've trained yourself. You've given yourself tolerance, you know, mental tolerance to be able to handle it. So I guess like long winded answer kind of put really short is just, you have to train your brain to recognize the shit so that you can do what you can to respond to it. So do you want me to go into something else? I have a thought. No, you totally can keep going. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's two skills that I'm, that I kind of think of when I'm talking about all this, but because I think one thing that people don't understand is like, well, what the heck are mental skills? How do you intentionally practice mental skills besides just like telling yourself you need to. So with facing an obstacle, I see two skills that are super important, not the only two, but they're two very important skills. The first of which is just awareness. So mindfulness, paying attention in the moment. So mindfulness is paying attention on purpose. That's how I define it without judgment being present. So not letting things of the past pull you backwards and not letting fears of the future, like 
catapult you forward because to be honest, the past already passed. So it doesn't exist anymore. It, it's happened, but you can't time travel. So we worry about the past. We can't. Right. And then the future, it's not here yet. Why are we trying to get there? Like, let's wait and do what we can right now to get where we want to be. So a lot of times with like people and I'll just use athletes specifically, but people in general, we tend to either worry about the future anxiety or dwell on the past depression. So we kind of go one of two ways and then we forget to just be present. So there's some, I don't know if this is accurate. I really should look this up. I just said this to a client this morning and I told him like, I read it. I don't know if it's true, but <laughs> in a book I was reading that we have like between 17 and 18,000 breaths a day. Usually we don't pay attention to a single one of them. I've been talking for what, 10 minutes already nonstop. I don't, I haven't thought about my breathing at all. I'm just doing it. So how many thoughts do we have all day? Where are we all day? We're not in the present moment. We're usually thinking about later or thinking about before. And that's just doing ourselves a disservice. So the first skill to really cultivate and really strengthen is mindfulness and being able to stay present in the moment. Naturally, we're going to wander to either the past, the future. We're going to wander, you know, anything that's not present. So like coronavirus, if I'm really stressed about coronavirus, usually it's because I'm like, oh my God, when am I going to get back to work? Or, oh my gosh, all this time I haven't been doing X, Y, and Z. That's past and future. Like, uh -uh. stay present. So it's natural that our minds are going to wander somewhere that's not in the present. That's okay. That doesn't mean you that you're not mindful. Just noticing that is being mindful. So skill number two is refocusing or focus and refocus. So being able to control your attention. If your mind wanders, notice that mindfulness and then bring it back to the present. Refocus. So those two skills <laughs> to kind of put that answer. Really oh, I like that. Like answer, I, but. I said this in the first podcast and I'll say this again. Like so many times I feel like you and I have had these like conversations that are maybe they start like it's going to be a conversation of passing and then we get on this kind of like topic and then like I'll ask you kind of like, an, I, I, I don't know a better word, but maybe it's like an ignorant question related to mental health. And you're just like, you give this like beautifully detailed answer. And I'm just like, jaw drop you know like i also whoa. well i thank you but i feel like I, i'm not concise so i don't know if that's a good thing or no it's thing, fine but. because i think like i also ask like kind of open-ended questions like like i because i i you know as someone who's typically has to interview someone like like i don't know anything about mental health like i like i i know what it is and i know what you tell me and like what i and i you're a professional, so I believe what you tell me. So that's like my education in this field. So when I ask you a question and you take it to this like specific, these specific skills, like no matter how you get there, like anyone listening to this podcast, unless they're a psychotherapist or someone who like is a practicing therapist, it, it's just these skills that we kind of like draw and be like, you're right. So the next time I'm working with a client and they're just trashing this one aspect of their life, you know, like now I'm better equipped to say, well, what are like, let's find some bright spots or, you know, but a bright spot of that situation, it sounds like is this, you know, so I'm able to reframe it for them and be that person to help them, even though like clearly you're the professional, but what are you doing? Why are you writing something down? I'm writing a note because I don't want to forget to say something to you. Oh, <laughs> you just tell me to shut up. No one takes, no. this is not a note taking podcast, <laughs> but I will say go back five minutes and listen to what Nicole had to say, because if you're a personal trainer and a lot of personal trainers listen to this podcast, um, or even like a physical therapist, chiropractor, whatever, 
that the skills that you talk about, Nicole, I think help anyone, but people in service industries like we, like I am, we are like, it's, it's huge to better understand what our clients may be feeling. And like we have pessimistic, I have pessimistic energy zombie clients on a regular basis, you know, so to be able to help steer the conversation into a more positive light, not only keeps me sane from wanting to throw something at them, um, but also probably helps them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And I think like when we're professionals in the field and you can attest to this too, like, we almost take for granted what we know as being normal information. Like, like it's, it's not common knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. but for someone like me who talks about it every day, I forget that it's not common knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really good point. And so it's, it's all, I guess like I appreciate what you're saying because it's always helpful like for you to teach a hip hinge. You probably just assume people. It's like, yeah, come second on. Nature. Right. You, exactly. about? you guys can't disassociation hip flexion and extension from knee flexion and extension. You fucking losers. Right. Cause yeah, like no, you're I just know. so programmed here. And, <laughs> and what that actually illustrates perfectly is our ability to learn information and to make new, new pathways in our brain of normal. We can create new habits. You didn't always know what all that stuff meant. No. Just like I used to know a little bit more about what all that stuff meant. And now I'm like, uh, what does that mean again? But like we can create these like pathways in our head of our neural pathways to be able to understand things better. And like, that's how you learn new information and then apply it because you know what I mean? Like humans are able to learn this stuff. So a lot of coaches actually that I hear talk are like, I feel like when we talk to our athletes, it works for three days. And then the next day it goes away. And I'm like, yeah, because you need to keep reinforcing it. You can't just say it one time. It has to become a habit. It's not a habit yet. Mm-hmm. Right. If something's not a habit, then it's not going to happen just automatically. Do you so find like, that you coach habits? habits? Is that what you do? Like, do you find that you coach habits? To some extent, you know what I mean? We're like, or like behavior, it's, it's clearly behavior change, like yeah. exactly behavior change. But I had this, and this is super tangent. This is people are listening. No, to it's good. So I, I like it hearing together, Casey. But like I was walking, like I was going for a walk the other day. I'm pushing the stroller, sauces in front of me. And I'm just like literally thinking about how the fitness industry has let down more people than they've helped, like as a whole. Like we're in a position where people are away from gyms, away from this physical atmosphere where they have every tool that they need and they're so dependent on these tools that Mm -hmm. they're home and they can't figure it out for themselves right or like they they think the world and and maybe it's my own like internal thought of like people perceiving this as such a negative opportunity but like I'm thinking like these like as a fitness coach like I'm very fortunate where I'm still coaching like I'm still able to coach people through, through video or whatever, but like I'm helping specifically young athletes like turn really shitty lemons into delicious hot summer day lemonade and they're mm-hmm. getting it done. And I'm very fortunate to be in that position, but I feel like a lot of people are in a position where like the fitness industry, like they're just average, they, they're swiping go gym members. They show up, they swipe their card, they go work out. And now all those pieces of equipment that they've relied on they just don't have, they don't have anymore. So they're just kind of stuck. And I feel like the fitness industry has kind of let them down because they haven't been able to instill the habits needed to maintain or move forward in their goals. You see where I'm kind of going with that? Yeah, no, I'm wondering like, if do you feel like you, like, I feel like I coach habits. Like I don't like exercise is one thing and it it, it Mm -hmm. perceives to an end goal, but like I'm in the business of behavior change. You know, like I don't think of myself as like a, a strength coach or something like that. Like I help people build better habits 
and kind of like my like new phrase is like they like they change the defaults like you pick up a you buy a new iphone you turn it on and it has like the default apps right but mm-hmm. like the outlook mail app might be better than the d- default mail app so you change it right like to a better use of of space like yeah. with humans like we have these default apps these default behaviors that we've just created over time mm-hmm. but at some point we need to like uninstall those default apps and install new apps that are better servicing the overall thing does that make sense like that's, that's kind of like so i'm i'm i know people can't see this but i'm like smiling ear to ear because yes what you're saying like i know you probably feel like you're talking in circles that makes complete sense to me and as you were talking i had different answers for everything you were saying like in my own mind but at the very end it all kind of clicked into one thing mm-hmm. so you said that you you uh, coach habits, behavioral changes. Like you have to kind of reinforce the same patterns of movement over and over and over again for them to become a new normal or a new default, I should say. Um, The same thing goes with our thoughts and like how we're thinking. So I don't know that I would necessarily say that I coach habits, but I coach, well, I guess you could say mental habits, but I think it's it's just a variation. Yeah, I think it's more like I coach different mindsets but that's also a habit so i guess yeah i guess i guess to answer your question yes because it takes repetition and effort just like any other activity any other skill to kind of reinforce the mindset oh let me look for the opportunity not the obstacle oh let me look for the advantage not the adversity oh let me look for whatever how is this a challenge instead of a threat like that takes like i've said the same thing to some clients like a a thousand times and finally, one day it just clicks. And then I noticed them starting to do it. So it's kind of like you. I bet one day you have a client who's never understood the hip hinge. I know we keep talking about hip hinge, but they never got it. They just couldn't do it. They kept rounding. Like they just couldn't do it. They're rounding their back, whatever it might be. And then one day they just were doing it in session. You're like, wait, when did you start doing this? And it's all those little micro decisions every single day. Every habit you taught or t- spoke about, every awkward movement you made them go through was all preparing them to be able to do this thing and the same thing goes with our minds right so like to be able to pay attention in the moment and notice when your mind starts floating away to either the past or the future it takes I guess a habit you're right to recognize that a shift in mindset and the the way that I describe this and I don't know if you'll appreciate this or think I'm like wacky but imagine you're like like walking in the woods right you're walking in the woods I would say not with stroller because you're like on a hike so maybe bring strollers and hikes I don't know but you're walking in the woods Uh, sauce is in the backpack okay she's in the backpack. perfect and you're walking and you see that there's a fork in the road or in the path right so the left side of the fork is like a clear path people have been down a million times maybe even has those blue spots on the tree so you know it's the way you're supposed to go which I just learned that last year but that's what those blue spots mean So that's one option. That's one fork. The other fork looks like maybe a couple people have tried to go down it before. Like it looks like, you know, maybe like two teenage boys, like, you know, crawled their way through the woods. So it's like brushy and uh, creepy, sketchy. Most humans are going to go down the way that like has always been, you know, with the blue dots, it's it's known, it's easy. It's obviously the go-to place, the default again. So that's usually the kind of like, how people would approach that fork right 
So the same thing goes with our habits, whether it's behavioral or mental, is that we have these default, again, the default apps. We have these go-to ways of thinking, these go-to ways of moving, these go-to ways of whatever, like responding and reacting to situations, all based on what we've learned over time. But think of that as that left side of the path. Just the, it's padded down. It's easier. It's known. It's comfortable. It's familiar. We're attached to it. Great. Sometimes those things we're attached to aren't that helpful, right? Some, I'm sure you've had the kids who when they get frustrated with themselves in sessions, they just get angry and they start lashing out. Yep, they're pissed. That's their known left side of the, of the fork path. They just are always going down that way. So it's just so familiar to them. They don't even, they're not even aware that there's a fork. They're just going without looking. So again, going back to that skill of mindfulness, this is the first step in really creating these new habits that you're talking about is being able to pause, be like, whoa, there's a fork here. Which way do I want to go? <laughs> right? So the angry kid, he's frustrated himself that he can't do it. He's feeling his feeling. He's frustrated. Instead of crying, he's just getting angry and yelling. Or he'll start being an asshole and being annoying in session, right? Sorry, but like maybe. And if that's kind of what's happening, it's because he's going down his path to avoid that feeling of being frustrated himself. And instead of saying, how can I get better? He's just going down the path he's always known. So it takes real mindfulness to be able to stop, be present, not think about the top of the mountain when you get to the very top. Oh, this is the easier path to get there. It's like, wait a minute. There's a, there are two options here, right? So what, what would it take for me to try this other path? So for like the example I'll give is like, self-talk if you're naturally a self-criticizer you naturally talk down on yourself you naturally are just like nasty to yourself like i suck i can't do this i'm awful a lot of people in this society are like that we're very judgmental of ourselves a lot of us are and each other but really ourselves so if you're really negative self-talk all the time you're always criticizing yourself that's the the way of thinking that you've become attached to so you're always going down that left path of negative self-talk so it takes a real mindful person to be like wait a minute I don't like how I feel when I talk to myself like that. <laughs> that takes mindfulness. Most of us aren't pausing in the day to think about it, right? So that brushy, sketchy path, if someone who's mindful is like, you know what? There's another negative thought. There's a negative, another negative thought. There's another negative thought. This is why I like journaling. It shows you. Like, <laughs> it's documented. So if you notice you're always a negative self-talker and you find yourself in this fork in the room, be like, wait a minute. This is exactly one of those moments where I'm saying shit to myself and I feel like shit, huh? That moment that person can choose to say something positive to themselves. It doesn't have to be I'm the best ever, but it can be I'm trying the best I can. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying very hard. I'm going to get better with today. Like, you know, I'm going to, whatever it might be, something optimistic, something positive. Maybe it's, okay, a solution to this problem is blank. Whatever that positive frame of talking to yourself is, that's like going to that brushy, awkward, non-path. Are you still with me? I'm following you. No, it totally okay. makes sense. I'm just like in my head, I'm just like, wow, this is some pretty powerful shit because everyone listening to this podcast right now can relate to every situation you're talking to. Perfect. Okay, good. So when you're in the middle, when you're in the, in the front of that fork in the road and I'm like using my hands because I'm like a visual person. On it's bad radio. This is just audio, but it's okay. I know. I'm, t I'm um, following along. <laughs> Selfishly, this whole podcast is for my own educational purposes. Perfect. No one else's. Perfect. So the person who always talks down on themselves, they can go down that left path, right? And just do it again, whatever, and go down that path, be negative, feel like shit, have a bad day, lash out, oh my God, another bad day at Parisi. That can be one option. 
Or they can pause and be like, wait, I remember. I don't like how I feel in those moments. And I'm always saying shit to myself and it always makes me feel worse. So now I want to try to go and say something better to myself. And that's why I was saying like, you could say something like, I'm trying really hard or I'm going to get better or this is working or look where I was yesterday and look where I am today or whatever it might be. And when you decide as, as uncomfortable and foreign as it might be to go against what you're comfortable with, against that default, it feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. But it's you kind of going into that brushy path and trying to go on the right, the right side of the fork. So what happens when you do that five times, six times, seven times? Before you know it, if you do it enough times, look at that. You have two equal paths. They're both padded down. So now, all of a sudden, you haven't been going down that left path, so the, the brush is growing back. And now you're going down this new path of positive self-talk or whatever it might be, this new habit. And now that's your normal. You've actually created a new normal for yourself. You've created a new habit. I like it. Like I said, super powerful. And that analogy really explains like what you're saying. Like, I'm not even going to try to recap it. Just, it was really good. But I was thank, full you. Circle. <laughs> thank you. I'm not but even going to try to recap it. <laughs> well, I think what I really like to do, what I really like to do too, is equate everything I do or compare it to the physical world. So like, like the mental skills, the physical skills. So again, we'll go back to our hip hinger person who doesn't know how to hip hinge. The first time they try it, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. They might be sore the next day because they're moving in a new way. It's, it's like them climbing through that brushy side. They've never done it. So it takes intention. It takes effort. It takes like deli- being deliberate. You can't just like wait for it to happen. You have to intentionally do something out of your comfort zone to hopefully someday make it your new comfort zone. And then eventually over time, the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. So just like our bodies move, our minds work too. And there's actually research out. I'm reading a book right now. I'm such a nerd. But there's research out there right now that says that the way we think about ourselves, and not about ourselves, the way we think in general, our thoughts, the quality of our thoughts, quality of thoughts, the way that we think, that can actually, and it's shown, there's evidence to show that the way that we think actually impacts the physical structure of the brain. So for so long, science That's was like, oh, heavy. the brain, is, I know. So for so long, the, everyone's like, oh, the brain's hardwired. It is what it is. Like it's the, you know, the powerhouse and whatever. No, 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 no. Our mind is what the brain produces. The brain is this physical thing, right? That produces thoughts and produces our mind, right? And then our mind works to kind of keep the brain pumping. So our conscious, <laughs> I'm getting really into it, but I guess I'll keep it simple. The way we think, the thoughts we have, they can impact the struct- like the structural development of our brain. So our brain is able to- I mean, to that makes sense though, because like, like if you think like muscles, and this is probably like the nerdiest this podcast has ever gotten, but if you think like force <laughs> input to muscles dictates the structure of that muscle, is it going to grow? Is it not going to grow? Is it going to be damaged, et cetera? And I would think without knowing anything, like about it, but like thoughts are probably force inputs to the brain structure. So it's going to have the same effect. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Like I say that, but obviously I don't know like what like a thought is and how like the makeup of a thought impacts like the brain where it comes from, whatever. But that, like if you equate those two things together, force input dictates muscle function. Thought being that force input dictates brain function, structure, size, et cetera. Like yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. 
What did you write down on that piece of paper? Did we talk about it? <laughs> I think we did. Well, <laughs> it was before you were taking talking notes. About... Don't take notes during this podcast. No one takes notes like, during this podcast. I like threw the pen down in shame when you said that. Yeah, but, like, um... I was like, what the fuck is, are you taking, I was, thank God you weren't taking notes on anything that I was saying or that you no, were saying. Do it was not, just something like, oh. I wanted to remember, but it was, you kind of brought it up with the habit changing stuff because I was just saying like, it's it's good to have little like, go-tos in your mind that you can kind of like look like you know like a to-do list a checklist kind of Mm -hmm. so i have like these mental checklists like am i looking for opportunity or am i looking for obstacle so opportunity over obstacle am i looking for adversity or am i looking for advantage adversity advantage am i looking optimistically or am i looking pessimistically compare the two right so i was just writing down the the different comparisons that i have and then the last one i had that i wrote down because i don't want to forget is this idea and it kind of goes with everything you're saying but this idea of looking at things as a challenge as opposed to looking at things as, as a threat. We tend to see everything as a threat. Like, oh my gosh, coronavirus like might cancel my season. What a threat to like my ability on the field. And blah, 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 blah. like we go down this like threat, like threat mentality of like feeling like we're again, threatened. We feel like we're not safe. Instead, see it as a challenge. Like, all right, this is something else I'm going to overcome. Like it's that simple, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So if you can have these little, like, I literally have, like, the less than or, or greater than signs, like, with those words. So, like, you know, like, obstacles less than opportunity, you know. So I just, like, have little checklists. And clearly, I write them down, too, so I can remember. So that's if, what I was writing. If the professional does it, we should all do it. I am a, a firm believer in power of the pen. Have you ever read Man- Checklist Manifesto? No book club let's do it checklist manifesto you'd like it can i write Um, it down yes you can i'll just (laughs) i'll just buy a copy and send it to your house um as a gift for coming on the three things podcast i think that's the least i can do but uh nicole adak since we have like an unofficial third thing would you like to talk about anything to cover the unofficial third thing is there anything that you feel that we need to talk about right now Um, there's a lot of things. So you go, <laughs> if you have, if you, <laughs> I don't. So my third thing was literally like, Nicole will have a third thing. I mean, I think I, our second thing branched into a couple topics. Um, but I will give okay. you the floor for the first time ever. Would you like to create your own third thing? Never I don't been even done know. unprecedented territory. Wow. Well, there are different topics. That, that are coming up in my brain. Well, let me ask you this. In sure. what are you like what are you into right now? Like what like you just were saying you were like reading like that the book or whatever. But like what like what are you into right now and mm-hmm. tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good way to go. It's a good um, question, right? Hard hitting It's a great hard hitting Oprah like questions on the I like it. Podcast. Yeah, you are you are Oprah. I have likened like myself to Oprah before. That question was not a good representation of that. People who are like, "Ooh, good question." I'm like, "Thank you. I'm Oprah." Um, anyway, continue where you were. <laughs> okay. So two things. So we're branching again, but there are two things that are, they're kind of related that I'm really into right now. So like, it's like the thing for me. Um, and one of them is meditation and I'll explain why in a minute. And one of them is visualization or imagery, whatever you want to describe it as. So they're kind of, they're different. Do you want me to talk about just one and you want to pick which care. one? Just, I'm here. To, I'm, I almost feel like I should go get another beer, but I'm good. Just keep talking. I enjoy listening, honestly. Okay. I'll talk about meditation because it's a very like kumbaya 
word. People hear meditation, they think of like the Buddhist monks. Like yeah. they think of like really Zen people. They don't think of people like me. And I meditate every day. So like, you know, it's it, you don't have to be like a Buddhist. Like I'm like not like, a, I mean, I'm calm, but I'm not like Zen. So meditation is something that I feel like needs to be debunked, if that makes sense. And like demystified, I guess maybe that's a better word. Demystified. Yeah. Because debunked would kind of insinuate is bad. So demystified. So what do you know about meditation? I want to ask that first. I know there's a lot of different varieties and it helps people chill the fuck out. Okay. If you ask me okay. literally to define meditation, that's exactly yeah. what I would say. Okay, good. So I see meditation as being a great practice of mindfulness and refocus, which is kind of why this came up for me because the things we've talked about. But so meditation is essentially the practice of mindfulness when you're allowing yourself to pay attention to one thing in particular, right? So this is single point focus meditation. I should, I should clarify. So single point focus meditation is when you're focusing on one thing at any given time and not letting distractions interfere with that. So an example, and I'll get into kind of what that means. So an example is like your breath, breathing. I said before, 17 to 18,000 breaths a day. We're usually not paying attention to them. So meditation then is the practice of being present and focusing on your breathing. Focus on each breath. Don't let anything else in your mind. Just focus on the breath. So if you can get into this meditative state where you're only focusing on your inhale, you're only focusing on your outhale, outhale, <laughs> exhale. <laughs> no, it's an outhale. No, it's an outhale. <laughs> if you're focusing on your inhale and exhale only and not letting anything else interfere, that's you practicing meditation. So where it needs to be kind of demystified is like, it's natural that your brain's going to wander. The first homework I ever give clients of mine, yes, I give my clients homework. The first homework that I give my clients when it comes to meditation, if I just want them to like toy around with it, I tell them to take their phone, set a timer for three minutes, put the phone down, close your eyes and focus only on your breathing. Focus on your inhale, picture your lungs filling with air, focus on your exhale, picture your lungs kind of deflating a little bit and really get in a groove. Inhale, hold, exhale, inhale, exhale for three minutes. The goal is to not let your mind wander. Guess what happens? Inhale, great. Exhale, great. Inhale, great. I wonder if I'm doing this right. The mind starts to wander, which is the whole purpose of this is to not let that happen. However, it's not a fail if your mind wanders. It's not a fail at all. It's a, it's a rep. It's an opportunity to bring your mind back to the present. Oh, right. Breathing. Inhale. <laughs> Exhale. Inhale, exhale, and you go through this again. How long has it been? This is boring. Wait, breathing, breathing. Inhale, exhale, and, and you do that for three minutes. So every time your mind wanders, although it seems like you're failing, it's actually a good thing because the repetition to work on that refocus. So I use meditation I, if, if in front of you and ask them if I've talked about meditation with them and given them that to do as homework. 10 out of 10 would be like, yes, I bet. Maybe a couple would say no, but most of my clients, I give the homework to do meditation. And I feel like people see it as like, oh, I need to sit like Indian style or that's, I don't know if it's appropriate anymore. I need to sit cross-legged um, for three hours and um, like, no, that's not like, that's not meditation. Meditation is intentional work. It's effort. It's working your brain muscle and your mind muscles to be able to notice when your mind wanders something that's not helpful, not productive and then to bring it back to an intentional place. 
so how this applies to the, the sport world. Obviously, if you're an athlete, you can't be like, hold on, coach, I'm, I'm getting distracted. Let me close my eyes and see where my head – no, you can't do that, obviously. But if you work those muscles and you've gotten used to noticing when you wander and then bringing it back, the next time a ref makes a bad call in a game, you're, your mind's going to go to, oh, you effing – piece of crap like your mind's gonna go there you can there. actually swear on this podcast it's totally I fine i know i know but your mind's gonna go to i'm mad at you ref yeah. right yeah fuck so that ref that's right that, sure f that guy i got so you it's a, or gal thanks so it's okay as an athlete if your mind goes there but the skill that you've been practicing through meditation is oh wait a minute that's not helpful i want to be here and bring your mind back to the present moment so we're able to recover from stress a lot faster so it's, it's kind of like, um, I actually, I think I asked the men, either men's or women's lacrosse at St. Mike's, I asked them the question, like, how many of you guys do lunges in the gym? I mean, all of them raise their hands, right? Any kind of lunge, some, some variety of a lunge. Everyone does lunges. Great. And then I said, why do you do lunges? And they said, you know, variety of answers, but essentially it's to work your lower body, right? Get stronger, more explosive, maybe depending on what kind of lunge you're doing but it's to build strength in your lower body. Okay. What's the la- when's the last time you were on the lacrosse field and you stopped everything to do lunges in the middle of the game? And they all laugh. They're like, never. I'm like, okay, but why do you do them in the gym? To get those muscles ready for the, for the field, for performance. Okay. So meditation's the same thing. Why am I doing meditation sitting here when I could be out there running? Why am I sitting here thinking about my thoughts when I could be performing and going and working on X, Y, and Z of my physical game? Because you're training those muscles so that when you get on the court, you're ready to go. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. And my, I always keep coming back to this. I've had this thought, like, and this is we're, – we're way past the three things now. But, like, obviously, like, you have a big athletic background. We've talked about that in the first podcast. But yeah. how much – and maybe it's because the clients you work with. But how much does that help you, like, having been there? Like, obviously, it, it probably does. But, like – like for you personally, like I was not, a, like I was not a very good athlete, like growing up, like I was not very athletic at all. My analogies are not based off of my past life. Like, it, cause it doesn't, it doesn't translate to the athletes that I work with today, but how much does your like athletic background help you with like making, like, cause all the analogies you're saying, like make perfect sense to me and they're very clear. And like, does that just, how big of a role does that play with your, your ability to communicate with your clientele? massively yeah i was gonna say probably <laughs> and like, I, that's a dumb question that was not a good last no it's not very open no it's not no it's not dumb at all i think it's a really good question because i'll be i mean i'm not the first to toot my own horn i'm really not but honestly there are some people in this field who have no athletic experience and i'm like one why are you motivated to do this why are you working with athletes and two like you're gonna have a lot less credibility when I show, oh nice. When I, I show up, shout out to Jen, <laughs> Jen for Leeds, the um, the wife. Did she break this, one? Yeah, she just. <laughs> yeah, those. Uh, she's the best. Yeah. Um, oh God, here knows. we go. We're recharging. The Cheers. We're ready to do this. Cheers. You lemon water, me beer. Here we go. That's right. Um, yeah. No, I think that being an athlete myself, like automatically, especially even like I work with a, a lot of the St. Mike's athletes and teams by me being able to say I've been here and I, I've literally played in this gym and I've had some of the same coaches who are on staff now will be coaches. And like that automatically gives me a, a layer of credibility. So for the athletes, it gives them comfort and trust that I know what I'm talking about. 
And then for me, it gives me a sense of confidence. Like, okay, I've been there. I know exactly what the issue is. So it gives me experience. And one thing we didn't talk about that actually probably would have been better, a better it's, third you got thing. Time. I'm telling confidence. you, I just got another beer. We're good. <laughs> the idea of confidence, where it comes from. And one of the components, and we actually, we did so let's make, last time. Well, no, let's make time for confidence because I actually, I just had this conversation tonight, like in our strategy session, like, talking Mm -hmm. like specifically the context behind confidence is Mm -hmm. like if you're an athlete and you want to go from junior varsity to varsity level or eighth grade to high school or travel team, this and that, how like understanding that your physical tools are enhanced and how that those enhanced physical tools will allow you to compete at the level you desire. Like Mm -hmm. that builds confidence. And obviously like I have my own, like, in like thoughts and like training and things like that, that help athletes build confidence. Like you're saying, like it's these little pieces. It's not one big thing. It's like going through a training program and not missing reps. And then like going through a training program, maybe you've gone three weeks in a row of not missing reps. Now we're going to reach a little bit and push the boundaries of confidence in a very low risk state because you've had this training experience that leads up to that point. Maybe it's the words that you use. um, Like we're kind of talking about like the words and like, visualizing helping people visualize success and like kind of like being the aid along the way to build confidence like those are where i get confident like i think of confidence in a performance setting you as the the professional of of this who brought this up elaborate more well you kind of touched on a lot of it there which is actually great it's really good because i'll ask the question a lot you know where do you like to athletes where do you think confidence comes from and they'll kind of give different answers depending on their own experience of it right And the first thing I like to say is that confidence is not just a mindset that you either have or don't have. Confidence is actually a product of action, right? Like you have to do something to become confident. You don't just, you're not just confident or not. Like there are things that lead. No one, like the athletes and and where's the confidence and ego? Like where do those two separate? You know what I mean? We're like, we'll have kids that come in. They're eighth graders. They're like at the top of typically they're older for their grade. Like I'm an eighth grader. I'm a junior. I'm a senior. They're like upperclassmen for whatever grade they're Mm -hmm. in. Um, And they're like inherently confident. And it's because they're probably superstars in their sport. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're confident in what we do as far as athletic performance training, because you can be the best basketball player, but be pretty trash at doing squats. Um, Mm -hmm. But like they're inherently confident. And like I guess my my question to you is like, where do you think like in the Venn diagram of confidence and like these this is bad podcasting because no one can see the video. Um, confidence and ego, like where do they touch? Like in your mind, do they touch? Do they like overlap a little bit? Like you like this, this Venn diagram right here? It's really beautiful. It was good. I yeah, wish that really the, I wish that the, no, list, was, the 72 listeners could see it. Yeah, yeah. maybe 73. Right. Um so that's kind of a complicated question because I see That's my Oprah question. I know. You're always doing this. I, and this is why these are long because they can go in many directions. But the way that I kind of – I've been doing a lot of work around this actually with athletes, the difference between like confidence and like self-belief, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes so sense. So I feel like confidence is like – and this is me thinking out loud. I've never kind of like thought about it in this way. But I feel like confidence is like the umbrella term – and then like ego and self-belief are kind of like different, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes so, like, just being sense. Ego, just being like egotistical and cocky and like I'm the best because my mom told me I'm the best because I've always been the tallest eighth grader. Well, wait till you're in 10th grade, buddy. Like, you know, like those cocky 
people, the egocentric, like I'm just focusing on me. I'm not thinking about anything else. Like those people are, they show confidence. They show it. Right. And then people who believe in themselves, like I believe I can be the best version of myself. I believe I'm doing the most I can. They're showing confidence too, but in a different way. You know what I mean? So I kind of think of it more like a spectrum than I think of it as like overlapping mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, and what I want to kind of touch on too, as I kind of think out loud, when it comes to confidence, like what leads to confidence or what are those actions that kind of help someone become confident or, or dictate how confident they are. I kind of think about it in like four different parts. And I, we talked about this very briefly last time and I'll kind of fill you in where we talked about it. But the first, um, usually if, if I'm like in a session, I'll draw this thing on the whiteboard. But the first component or the first factor that dictates our confidence levels is what I call psychological framework or easier to say our upbringing. So the people we, our environment, the people we surround ourselves with, how we're raised, the family we're part of, the teams we've been on. If you're, if you're born into a family that's always putting each other down, like, I mean, obviously siblings do that, but like if your parents are always like, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You're going to get hurt. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. You can't, you can't, you can't. If you hear that, again, thoughts become brain matter over time. So we create this habitual way of thinking of, oh, I can't. Oh, I won't. Oh, I shouldn't. Oh. So that natural tendency to doubt yourself, that critical thinking, that is going to hit your confidence a little bit naturally. Right? So the kiddo who was born into a family that's always putting them down, or, or even they have friends who are always putting them down and like, you know, one-upping each other and saying, you suck. And like, oh, like if they say it enough times to someone, like if you hear that enough, you're going to absorb that. So there's that kid. And then there, think of the other end of the spectrum. There's the kid who's brought up in a family and with friends who are really uplifting and encouraging. If you do any, if you try really hard, you can accomplish anything. What do you want to do? Like, tell me what you want to accomplish and let's do it. Like, let's figure it out. Like, where's the solution here? You know, the, the solution focused thinking, all that stuff. Like, the uplifting and encouraging side of things and then the discouraging side of things, depending on where you fall, that's going to impact how naturally confident and I guess like how much you believe in yourself at like a baseline level. Mm-hmm. So the environment, that's like a big, that's a big factor of whether or not, because some, some people are really confident and some people aren't. And that's one of a couple factors that dictate that. Do you have thoughts on that one? No, I agree. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, it, when you break it down, it does make sense. Like, who who is around you? Like, we've always like the the old not we but like the old adage of of like you're the product of the five people you're around the most, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that just like reinforces that that that's actually real. Yeah, and it's kind of like nature versus nurture a little bit too. Like, how are you nurtured? So, like for you guys in Parisi, when you have those little 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 kids coming in. That's why your job, like not, that's not why, but that is one of the reasons why your jobs are so influential and so valuable. And that's why you guys being up, uplifting and excitable and happy and, you know, cheering when people get in, like, you know, get certain lifts or when they get certain PRs or when someone gets into a college that they've been trying to work for forever. Like when you guys show that excitement, you're teaching these young kids that that can happen to them too. So you're teaching them that like they can. So that's in turn imp- increasing their likelihood of feeling self-belief and confidence. So that's why it's so impactful. So the environment thing is like really, really true. Unfortunately, there's not much we as the person 
have control over when it comes to that, right? Like that's something we don't really have any control over. Yeah. Especially now. Again, we're not going to time travel to the past. Like we we've rather been brought up in this environment. Well, I will say it makes you makes you think about more who you spend your time with or where you spend your time, right? And how important oh, yeah. that is. I mean, like I'm 30 years old, and I think the hardest thing for me has been over the last five years, especially of like just really paying attention to who I talk to in in detail and mm-hmm. the places that I go to spend time because it matters. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not even think, at the most impressionable age. But I think that's too like why like we you and I joke about, about this about how the Williston Edge like in Parisi like the environment there is like on fire mm-hmm. compared to other locations and not that it's not you know they're not good in other locations but it's just a different feel. It's just yeah that little bubble of of what I mean it's like you said it's like what we do day in and day out with kids we do that same that's why we like get viewed amongst our peers as large children because it's what we do all mm-hmm. day. Right. And it's enjoyable. It's fun. You, you like, you want to be yourself in there. Like you don't have to pretend you're someone you're not like, you know, so that's again, reinforcing this self-belief. So that's one of four components, the whole environment thing. And then the second component is what most people kind of think of as prep as um, impacting confidence and that's preparation. So knowing what you want to achieve and then doing the things it takes to get there. So if I want to be a stronger athlete and I start going to Prezi, that's going to increase my confidence a little bit because I'm now preparing in an intentional way. Think about like a class, like a kid in class. Like if you, not even like for you, when you speak at those summits, like if you're speaking in front of a group and you don't do any preparation, are you going to feel confident going to that thing? No, it's trash. No, but if you prepare your butt off, sorry, ass, if you <laughs> prepare your butt off and you're like ready to go, that preparation and that intentional action, that's going to lead you to feel a bit more confident. So that's number two. And a lot of athletes, and this is where mental skill development kind of comes in a little bit because like people say they want to be more confident or they want to be more focused or they want to be better versions of themselves or more mentally tough. That's something else we could talk about for a whole hour, mental toughness. <laughs> I always think of these things after the fact. But um, you want to be those things. Okay, now prepare to be those things. There's that quote, if you, what is it? It's like, if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Yep, failure to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So preparation is very important. Um, The third component is personal experience, personal history. I call it like the wins and losses columns because, you know, you can prepare all you want, but if you've never spoken in front of a group, your confidence is going to be a little rattled the first time you go up there. Even if you've prepared for hours, you're still going to feel that sense of eek versus the 18th time you've presented in front of a group. I always give the example, well, I give two examples. One, St. Mike's when I was a student, it, became a mandatory requirement I don't even know if it still exists anywhere that we had to present in every single class we took there had to be some sort of presentation I hated public speaking and now I love it like, I, don't, I don't get nervous before public speaking anymore the first time I ever did it I was a nervous wreck sweating you know all the nervousness and now when I do it I'm like okay because I have that personal experience I've done it a million times it's not scary anymore and that's where visualization can actually come in really handy to kind of ding that a little bit because you can mentally rehearse things and prepare and create experience in your brain. So having personal experience. Another example is like a sport team. Like if you've never won a game before and you're going to the first game of the season, confidence of winning the game, even if you prepared all preseason, you know, your teammates are uplifting, you got that environment, but you've never won before. Confidence is not going to be as good as it could be if you had all these wins. Is that the clutch gene? Is that the clutch gene? 
I think it's a part of it. You know what I mean? That's though, where question. like if you're Kobe Bryant and you're like, I want the ball, like those players that want that situation, like the clutch gene. I think the clutch gene. We could do a whole other podcast just analyzing all time greats. Oh, I love we'll, it. We'll Are you watching it. the Michael Jordan? Yeah, obviously, I'm watching the Last Dance. <laughs> it's the only thing on TV right now. Obviously, it's so good. I know, it's and I so don't. And I good. like. You know, it's so embarrassing. It's not even that embarrassing. But um, I have Michael Jordan DVDs, like, from when I was a kid, like, in VHS and stuff. And, like, all the, like, the, the clips they're showing of, like, the game film, I know the word by word. Oh, yeah. What, they're they're showing the all the big, thing. like, all the huge big-time games. But even, like, little things, I'm like, oh, my God. Even, like, his announce, like, his the way they announce his name, you know, I can, like, hear it. In my, like, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's, it's oh, like, so, like, that. nostalgic. You know, even You're though I was, such like, a, a hooper. child. You're such a hooper. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You still so lower the hoop that, in your park, like, in your, like, wherever you live. You're going to the poops, and you're just lowering to, like, nine feet and just dunking. Yeah, that's me. No, not a chance. But um, I think the clutch. I think the clutch gene has to do a little bit with experience, right? You've been in the situation before. I think it has a lot to do with preparation. Think of the grades who like the clutch shots. They have put hours on yeah. on end of work and the mental work too. They're preparing mentally. They've they've rehearsed it mentally. How many times in the driveway? Three, two, one. They've done it so many times, mentally, physically, that they're like ready to go so it's not really a clutch gene like it doesn't even become a decision it's just like yes i want to do this you know it's like almost like an, it's an instinct it becomes a, a habit again going back to habits so personal experience and then the fourth component i want you to guess so we have upbringing environment preparation personal experience or history is what it do you think? is it like like willingness you know what i mean or is it like another like sub-factor? I don't fucking know, Nicole. I've had like three <laughs> beers. I've had like, th- I've, had like th- I've had like three beers in the last hour, like leading up to this podcast. No, I don't fucking know what's going on right now. Um, the Why are you gonna put me on the spot? <laughs> My own goddamn podcast. God damn it, Nicole. <laughs> You told me to come up with the third thing. I know it. You're thriving right now. Like it blows my mind that you don't do this. Like you should be on a podcast. I need to be much more organized in my thinking though. I like go crazy. No, you don't. You don't. Because the thing is when people like you listen to podcasts, like you chunk it up. Like this podcast, people will listen to in like 15, 20 minute chunks. And it, it's like super, it, the candid conversation this, I think people absorb perfectly fine because I jump all over the place too. And I think that people appreciate that because it's it's not someone coming in. who's just like, well, here's what I've talked about for my whole life. And it's a scripted answer. I hate people that give me scripted answers. I do too. I, I that's why I do the podcast the way I do it. Anyway, no, I don't know what the fourth thing is. Just tell me. Well, the fourth thing is how you talk to yourself in the moment. So like internal internal self-talk, but like in that. Just self-talk. Yeah. Just self-talk in the moment specifically, but just the, the skill of self-talk, because think about it now, the kiddo that was brought up, perfect, happy family, always encouraging, yay, my friends are so nice to me, they all love me, they know I'm like the best, like, the, you know, whatever, Up, uplifting, encouraging environment, cool, check, factor one, second factor, prepar- preparation, well, I'm not even drinking beer and I can't speak, so preparation, the second factor, I worked my butt off all week, all season, all summer. I've gotten, I've shot a thousand shots every single day. I used to do that. I'm like, I'm good. Like, okay, great. I prepared. 
Okay, third component. Personal history. I've shot I've played in a million basketball games. I'm good. Like I don't need to like you know, I'm I'm ready. I I have so much experience in my like up my sleeve. Like I'm 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 experienced. Great. Third component, check. Fourth component. Oh damn it, we're playing Bentley. They're the best team in the country. We're gonna lose. That decision to have negative self talk, that's gonna change your whole trajectory of where your confidence goes. So you have the first three, but then that fourth piece, the, the most controllable one in the moment, because if you're about to approach a game, you don't have control over your environment anymore, what, how you were brought up. You don't have control over whether or not you prepared. You either did or you didn't. You don't have control anymore of what your experience are, is. It is what it is. The only thing you have control over is how you're talking to yourself in that moment. So this is where cockiness comes, and I think this is where ego comes, because it's when you only have the self-talk. <laughs> and you don't have the preparation, you don't have the personal history, and you don't have the upbringing, and you're just focusing on that self-talk. Like there's no, there's no meat to bite into. It's just, why are you saying that to yourself? But those people tend to be more confident. So I think of like Carmelo Anthony with this, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. Because I know, okay. like, so he's not the greatest, right? And like, I, and this is only because the other day I was watching um, like the 2000 and seven Western conference finals or something like that. where like him and the nuggets were playing Kobe and the Lakers. And like, it was like the oh. furthest he's ever been. Like they lost in the finals, uh, oh, the Western yeah, conference finals that year. But Carmelo was, he was drafted with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he probably, and like, he thinks he's like in the same tier as those guys. Right. So, because, I mean, yeah. yeah, but he, he honestly believes that, whether he is or yeah, not. Right. And mm-hmm. so, honestly, like, I think that he has self-talked his way into a, a very successful NBA career. Like, that's no doubt about that. He's a very successful NBA player, longevity, mm-hmm. career earnings, you know, stats, everything. Say He's what you want. He's still playing, is he? He is. He plays for the Trailblazers. Um, uh, anyway, go ahead. But yeah. is self-talk – like and it's so and i know it's individualized for everyone but is internal self-talk like that's what it all comes down to right at points like when push comes to shove how you talk to yourself in moments of like the fork in the road like mm-hmm. yes there's challenges or there's opportunities or there's challenges or there's there's other other you know, whatever things you've got to do, but things how do you, yeah, yeah. so it's all self, isn't it all self-talk in the end? Doesn't it all boil down to that? Kind of, kind of, but self-talk, but good self-talk takes those other skills too. Like mindfulness. You have to know what you're saying to yourself. That takes awareness. Right. Yeah. But, but yes, internal dialogue, how we're talking to ourselves is like, for me, like other than having a vision for who you want to be and who you are as a person, like your identity, that like how you approach little things and small things, how you approach all things. Other than that, that's my foundation. The next realm of foundation is your thought patterns and how you, how you internally are talking to yourself all day. You know, people say that they don't talk to themselves all day. You know, like I don't talk to myself. She yeah, always talks to herself. Everyone is talking Everyone to themselves does. all day. All I do Whether is talk to myself all day. Right whether you're verbalizing it or it's just inside, like you have that self-talk that comes from, from within that's, that's constantly going on, constantly chattering. And I always draw, I always draw the example of like, you know, those cartoons with like the little devil and the little angel. 
yeah. on the shoulder and like one saying the bad thing, one saying the good thing, and the person in the middle is kind of looking back and forth. That's essentially happening to all of us all the time. And it's a choice of who we want to listen to. We can't let either one just fall off our shoulder. They're both there all the time. But who we choose to listen to, if we're being, you know, productive in our self-talk or not, like that's a choice we make. So yes, to answer your question, it does all boil down to self-talk because we are with ourselves more than we are with anyone else. <laughs> you are. That is very true. And there's a quote, and I don't want to talk too much, but there's a quote that um, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something a lot. The idea is that if you face just one opponent, right? So I picture like a tennis player. If you face just one opponent and you doubt yourself, you're already going to, like, you're already outnumbered. Right. So if I'm going into a tennis match and I have one opponent across the way from me, Casey Lee is my opponent and he wants me to lose. And then I say to myself, I'm going to lose. That's two to zero. It's two on. Yeah. Whereas if they're saying you're going to lose and I say, I'm going to win, you're going to lose one-on-one. Let's go see who's better. But if you doubt yourself, (laughs) doubt yourself and have those like negative, um, conversations in your head or the critical conversations in your head where you're just discouraging yourself constantly, that's going to fuck everything up. Yes, <laughs> and we got the F word. <laughs> yes! all, the wor- all the work you put in, right? All the physical work you put in. If you say something bad to yourself, like, that's going to ruin everything. This has been quite the conversation. I know. I wish I was, again, more organized. But no, I but, don't. Don't do that. This is the point. This is, uh, this is a candid podcast. This is not a seminar series, a conference, etc. Why are you holding up pictures? Oh, it's a folder. I'm just oh, holding it in my hand. Gotcha. <laughs> I was showing you a photo. I, I know. Like, why College. are you showing me? Nice. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Nicole Adak, Nikki Noodles, I think uh, this conversation, I, I honestly think that of all the podcasts that I've done, people who listen to this, I know are typically younger fitness professionals, health professionals. Um, you know, the conversations we have with not only ourselves, but with our clients can be tough. And through the two podcasts that we've done now, I think that you've given a lot of actual insight as to what we can do to just navigate conversations better, not only with ourselves, but with clients. But I think more importantly, like I think with ourselves, because that's what matters. Like you said, like we talked, like just said, like self-talk and the way we treat ourselves sets up the foundation for everything going forward. And I think like just a takeaway with that self-talk thing too. And like with everything we've talked about, it's all a matter of choice. Like we have the choice in how we want to deal with things. So going to the adversity thing, we have a choice of how we want to handle this whole Corona time. We have a choice if we call it strange times or if we say, okay, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to own this time? Thank we you for choice. saying it like that too. I, I fucking can't stand that. <laughs> Strange oh, times we're in. <laughs> I can't. So uh, when we say that, that self, that conversation in our head, think about wiring. It drives self-talk. Yeah. It drives, it drives the You're way we're wiring we, your brain yeah. to look for the problems. So let's say what a great opportunity this has been to get to know ourselves, whatever. So like, it's a choice of how we want to respond to situations. It's a choice. What road we want to take when we're hiking and we choose the path. It's a choice. If we want to be confident, it's a choice. If we have good self-talk, it's all a choice. So I think that is just kind of like something to remind ourselves. And like, we have more control than we think. We just don't give ourselves the moment to be in the moment, right? We don't give ourselves that allowance to just be present and make a choice. 
we're always worrying about the next thing. I think that's a really good final point to end on. Do you have time for a speed round? Oh, shit. I forgot. I oh, got we have it. a speed round. Damn you it. almost got out of it. We've been grinding <laughs> this podcast out. Um, but Seven I'm fully prepared. I'm fully prepared for the speed round. I'm fully prepared. Okay. I don't think I am, but I'm as prepared as you I will should be. Never, you should never be prepared. This is where, okay, so you can stop listening if you want intellectual information, you've already heard it. Um, this is the only part of the podcast that I genuinely love and care about. It's the speed <laughs> round. Um, Nicole Adak, these questions are going to be asked. You can answer them as long or short as you'd like. I'll try to be short. Just give me Just, that's cool. I have two ba- I have, well, I say I have one favorite question that I've been really diving into with people and I'm firm. I'm a firm believer. You can tell a lot of a person oh, no. based off how they answer this question. I think I know what you're going to ask. Please power rank your top three Halloween candy. Oh. So that's three, two, one. Um, just, in, I mean, it doesn't need to be in particular order. That's why I do top three, but just give me like your top okay. three, no particular order, unless you have a favorite Halloween I already candy. Know what, I already know what they are. And I'm already getting a theme for myself. Ooh. Reese's are like the number one. Love it. Yep. I really like um, mounds or like Almond Joys, coconut. Whoa. Do you go with both? Like, are you cool with Almond Joy or mounds or do you have one? Yeah. Yeah. I like the mounds because dark chocolate, but I like almonds. So I do both. Okay. Um, And then the third one is York peppermint patties. Ooh. And so what I'm noticing is it's chocolate with like a filling. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, I believe it was Eric. I think it was Eric Mitchell. I'm not sure. One of our podcast guests literally was like, love uh, mounds can't stand almond joy. And I was like, people weird. are like that. I, yeah. Uh, it's very um, interesting. I also find it really weird when people's candy choices are like the sugary fruity ones. I'm always yeah. like chocolate baby. And they're like know. Starburst. And I'm like, whoa, Starburst, whoa, Starburst. Like sweet, oh. sweet tarts. And oh like, yeah. Like, Nerds. I'm like, oh, Swedish oh. Juice. No. yeah. Okay. See, that's why I'm like, you can firm believer. You can tell a lot by a person. So you, you're, I mean, you're a psychotherapist, not me, but based off your Halloween candy, I think you're pretty normal. Um, oh, this you. is my favorite question. You're a Vermonter. This well, you're a transplant Vermonter. Right. It's been a decade. Yeah, but you're not. You, it's okay. Um, give I'm, me your top three Ben and Jerry flavors. Oh shit. Um, I don't, oh God. In wait, college, wait, 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 wait. When was the last time you had Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> let's ask. Let's start it's, there. It's, it's been a while. I don't know. I like. Do you even eat the whole pint? I had zero candy on Halloween, so I didn't even have a Halloween candy this year. Oh, God. Um, oh, jeez. When I used – well, this is the problem with me. I'm an overindulger, so if I have a little bit, I have all of it. Yeah, so you so eat I the whole pint. Right. So in college, awesome. when I was a freshman, I looked very different and was very different as a freshman in college. I had black hair. I went tanning every day, and I, and I wasn't playing on the court, so I was getting chubby. So I was a very different version of myself then. But freshman year of college, we went to Cumbies. Um, next to St. Mike's and got yeah. pints of Ben and Jerry's like every night. So my go-to was always peanut butter cup, chocolate ice cream, peanut butter. But you know what? I really like Jimmy Fallon's. Yeah. And then the other one I really like, um, well, I like cookie dough. It's just good, but it's not a favorite. It's like kind of You boring. don't buy Ben and Jerry's for cookie dough. Exactly. So the other one I really like that I've never tried, so I don't know if I really like it. Is the late night snack? <laughs> I've never, chips I've never had that one. I would like that though. Salt. Oh, sweet. you know what? Good. Also, my friend told me like I don't really eat meat ever. So my friend was talking about the vegan options they have. There's like cookie flavored ones I need to try. 
The non-dairy but ones? I, I'm sure they're good. It's Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, but it's I, just sugar. It's good. But I would say um, peanut butter cup is a top by far. And then the 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 late night, what is it? Jimmy Fallon late night dough. The <laughs> tonight, tonight dough. dough. The tonight dough. The tonight, tonight dough, dough. yeah. yeah the, tonight the late dough. night really dough. <laughs> And then the third is a big old question. Okay. Uh, if you, where, I'll say this, where has been the favorite, the favorite, wow, I've had too many beers to drink tonight. Bears. Um, the bears. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I've been watching Ozark and that's totally like, I don't know if you watch Ozark. Um, mm. That's like kind of like the good. accent of, uh, of one of like the girls on the show. She had like Longmire. She has this kind of like oh. accent. Yeah. I've been like binging it. Um, it's tough. So you're becoming but her. Okay. I just, yeah, I don't know if that was the beers or if it was Ozark talking, but um, of all the places you traveled, no matter how great that list is, what is your okay. favorite? What's the favorite place you've ever been? I thoroughly enjoy. Oh, ooh, ooh, I do. Ooh. Nice. Good so question. I'm a summer girl in and out. This is again why I'm not really a Vermonter. I hate the winter. So I've been to like every Caribbean island. So I really loved Antigua. We went years ago. But I, so I like like those islands. I like Jamaica. I have a lot of, I have, I've been to Jamaica a couple of times. So I like like the Caribbean, but I also really thoroughly enjoyed Ireland. Interesting. I went, I went to Ireland for uh, when I was a soft, a junior in college. Our basketball team went. I turned twenty one in Ireland, which is so. I don't know if that's a good, more good or more bad. It's good because the drinking it's place, fun. yay. But it's also like everyone could drink at twenty one in Ireland, so it wasn't a big oh, deal to go to yeah, that, you know. Yeah. And we were with my coach. <laughs> but mm. uh, my honeymoon was in Antigua. It's. Oh, really? It's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great there. I know. I it's know. pretty I great. Go back. Yeah. yeah, it was Antigua in January. Did not suck. Yeah, we went in like, I think February. So yeah, yeah to go there awesome. in the middle of the winter is amazing. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Give me the bucket list. Maybe we can have so, someone in that place book you for a seminar and you'll, they'll pay for you to fly out. Yeah, right. Listen, yeah, please, listen, listen, listen I will guys. take this to my grave. Uh, Kevin Carr, your boy, was on this podcast, and I had him say this where he wanted to go, and then it happened. So, uh, was it Burlington, things, Vermont? It was not Burlington, Vermont. I believe it was like Brazil or something, or like someplace oh, wow. in South America, and then it happened. So there's 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 plenty of evidence on that. So the Three Things Podcast okay. bump slash network, those seventy two people wide, very networked seventy two people, maybe seventy three, mm, maybe. Um, okay. Well, the first answer is really basic, and it's California. Oh, I've never been to. Really? Ca- I know, I've never been to California. I've like always north, wanna- south. Like, give, give me. It's it's a very big state. Where do we want to so go? In, I, I know. So initially, I'm like, oh, Northern California is more like my speed. But I've really wanted to like just experience Los Angeles. Just experience. I don't want to live there. I just want to experience it. Anyways, so that's like my basic bitch answer but i really want to go to australia nice yeah okay i've been to san diego it was it was busy and it was just a weekend but it was it was it was busy yeah so i mean i i just want near the beach is where i want to be i don't want to be like in the city city yeah it makes i get it i get it it's I've uh, my favorite place you didn't ask but I'm gonna tell you I went to Arizona one time for like five days and I uh, it was right in Phoenix Phoenix Scottsdale Mm -hmm. area it was 
it was October, so it wasn't blazing hot, but I, I could do it. It was nice. I've heard amazing things about um, Scottsdale specifically, but I just feel like being landlocked like that. I mean, I know technically we're landlocked here, but so I always laugh at myself when I say that because like, hello, but we have three hours from the ocean, you know, probably the lake. Yeah. But I just feel like, I mean, I'm from middle of New York, so it's not like I'm used to being near the ocean, but I just feel like something about that. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I also want to go to Denver. I've noticed that there's a lot of places within the U.S. I've, I've never been more far west than Ohio. That's the farthest west I've ever been in my life. Ooh. So I want to venture out west and just see what it's like. I like. I feel like I don't. I don't belong in the Northeast. I belong either down, not down south, but I belong like somewhere so, like more southern or out more west. I don't belong where I am. I don't think I'm like a transplant. Someone said I belong in Europe. I'm like I just don't belong where I am. Well, I mean, you're not a Vermonter, so. Correct. I think we can thank St. Mike's for you ending up in Vermont, but that's cool. Mm. I'm down with it. It's all right. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. That's, that's interesting. Um, I got one more good one. I'm trying to like, go through my Rolodex cause our pod went a little longer than I thought. And I did not prepare mm. the, the, um, the old, uh, Oh, here's a good one. Okay. This is a good question for Hoopers. Okay. Then we'll end with this one. Would you rather be able to dunk like Vince Carter or just absolutely stroke from three like Steph Curry? Ooh. Right? Would you rather just, just heat from three-point line, ah, or would you rather just be dumb explosive to the rim? That's a really good question. I know a, it's wow. and it's a fun one to ask Coopers. It's a fun one to ask because Coopers. initially I'm like, oh my god, Vince Carter, because the total domination, dude, like, unreal, unreal. When you're going to the rim that fast, that explosive, from like you're dominating anyone who's in your way. Like I'm sorry, I'm better than you. Like, but that would hurt your wrist. <laughs> and then I think also of like the reliability of like a, a Steph Curry who can just shoot from anywhere. Anyone, fifty stroke. feet, it's How an option. Smooth. Yep. Consistency, smooth. So it's like what value do you want? Do you want to be consistent or do you want to be powerful and dominant? Let's hear I it. I think I'm going ooh. As an athlete, it's like all dominant, baby. Like talk about confidence. Like if I can jump over you, I can do anything. So I get that. Vince Carter. Okay. That's a solid answer. But I think I'd rather, but I'd rather have a Seth Seth, not Seth Curry. I'd rather have a Steph Curry on my team. I think. It's, uh, it's, I just, uh, I watched, was it NBC sports just did Olympic week a couple weeks ago and I DVR the 92 gold medal basketball game, 2000 gold medal basketball game. And then it was on, it started at seven. So I watched the 2000, I think it was 2008 gold medal game. The 2000 gold medal team had young Vince Carter with hair, uh, Gary Payton with hair, Ray Allen with hair. It was wild. Um, I just finished the 92 games morning, which was crazy because that was the dream team. Uh, which was ridiculous. It's funny watching the 92 dream team when the MJ documentary is coming out right now, Mm -hmm. because him and Pippin were just like unreal. Pippin was unreal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like loving watching the series. Anytime that I like watch any old school sports, like I literally, when I'm done, I'm like, God, I love sports. Like that's like (laughs) how I always end it. 
like, God, like I just can't, like, I love it. It represents so much. And what yeah. I've been actually saying to clients lately, and this is something I like really like to be back to a serious mode, but I really have been saying a lot is that sports are not like who we are, but they give us a really good opportunity to practice being who we are. So that's I like why that I chose, so that's why I chose Vince Carter because he's practicing dominance. I mean, Steph Curry is practicing consistency. That's great. And it's dominant in a different way. But you know what I mean? So it's an opportunity to practice who you are. It's a construct. So that when your sport someday is not part of your life, you're still you. You're just not practicing in that realm anymore. You're practicing in a new realm. That is, uh, that's the positive note that we're going to end this podcast on. Nicole Adak. Okay. Round, round two did not disappoint. It was unwound. <laughs> Wound two. We, Wound two was so great. <laughs> you would think it's like midnight. I just looked at the clock. I'm like, oh, it's like, like nine oh, it's, nine. I mean, I mean, I have a, I have a, a toddler, so like it's kind That's of true. midnight for me. Um, yeah, but I, in all seriousness, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we will do round three, round four, round five. Um, oh, you sound like LeBron. No, no, no. Uh, and You're six, not talking about not one, not two, <laughs> no, not three, no, 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 not four. <laughs> we go stop. I, that is the most cringeworthy thing I've. I got. That is my biggest cringe moment of my life. Is thinking about that. <laughs> not one, not two, but now oh. we can keep going. We got round threes going up next. What did oh, they get? We could three p. Okay. Oh, the, the first. Well, I've mm. never called it a three p. I think the most. I've had a couple guests been on that have been on like four, five, six times. Wow, I have a lot to work up to. I mean, so John Moljo, most the biggest repeat, you know, reoccurring guest ever. He's like my best friend, so he he gets like the reoccurring residency here. But I've got like four or five people that I really like because it's just easy conversations. You're in the mix, two podcasts in, like you're in the mix. Very easy conversations to have um, on a topic that I think a lot of people like. So um, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, and um, I hope that we get a chance to do round three soon. 